Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land's Stick to Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Timonini, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Jordan Williams. Jordan, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good, good. We got some interesting news towards the end of the last week that shed some light a bit on both this current season for Ohio State football and future seasons. So we're going to get into that and kind of expound and and extrapolate and riff off of that in today's episode. But before we do that, just a reminder that here on Stick to Sports, we talk about the things around the periphery of Ohio State athletics as well as the things that keep us distracted and entertained in between the games. Now, Jordan, what I'm talking about is the fact that um, earlier this week on, I believe it was Thursday, um, 11 Warriors reported that Ohio State had come to an, an agreement with the University of Oregon to kind of deal with the fact that they lost last year's game in Eugene. They first reported that Smith had originally told them that the Buckeyes and the Ducks would have a series in 2031 and 2032. He has since clarified that, and instead, Ohio State and Oregon will be playing in 2032 and 2033. They also said that because the game in Autzen Stadium last year was canceled, When Oregon comes to Columbus this fall, uh, scheduled to be on September 11th at noon, if Ohio Stadium is able to be back at full capacity, the Buckeyes will pay $3.5 million to the Ducks in order to kind of account for the lost revenue that they had from the series uh, home game being canceled. So (laughs) Brett wrote a really good article uh, on Saturday, Jordan, about the ridiculousness of scheduling games a decade to 12 years in advance in college football and why it's just absurd. But it got us thinking that we should probably look at the state of Ohio State's future football schedules. There are a number of high-profile games on the schedule and kind of see what we think that means, what we think about college football scheduling, how it could impact Ohio State, and uh, kind of go from there. I want to run through some of the future schedules. I'm not going to do all of them because we've got games scheduled now all the way through 2033. And just a reminder, it's 2021. Um, But over the next few years, we've got Oregon in 2021, obviously. We've got Notre Dame in 2022 and 2023. We've got Washington in 2024 and 2025. We've got Texas in 2025 and 2026. Ball State in 2026 as well. Alabama and Boston College in 2027. Alabama in 28. Georgia in 30 and 31. And then Oregon in 32 and 33. Now... Jordan, this is great. I love the fact that there are big prime time, well, maybe not prime time because who knows at this point, but marquee games on the future schedules. Um, but it is kind of ridiculous that these games are scheduled tw- a dozen years in advance. And as we've seen with a number of previous series, uh, Georgia, TCU, things like that, a lot of them just don't happen. Like they get rescheduled, rules change, scheduling changes. Um, And they end up being jettisoned off the schedule for one reason or another. What are your thoughts on this whole phenomenon of scheduling games like for players that are currently in like fifth grade? You know, originally I didn't put too much thought into it. But, you know, with the, the pandemic and seeing people being able to schedule games and wanting to schedule games within a week. And I mean, we saw the Coastal Carolina um BYU. BYU. Yeah, yeah, the Coast Carolina BYU game happened in a couple of days, and that was one of the best games of the year. And and a lot of schools showed flexibility 
when their games were canceled and wanting to find other games and looking for opponents. And sometimes the league would let you and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, Nebraska was very upset about that. But once that happened and, you know, obviously, you know that they can do it. But like once you actually see it, it really changes your mind. Or at least it did not mine. And so now I'm just like, you know, what is the point? Especially like I get you already had other games scheduled, but to come right out of that and just start scheduling games for 12 years away. I don't really, I don't really understand it. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I, I don't get the, I don't know. Do they think it makes the fans excited, especially because as you said, a lot of them don't happen. And so before I would definitely say before the pandemic, maybe I didn't have that much thought on it, but now it's just like schedule it in the off season. The off season is long. You could schedule your games now. Like you could schedule your games now for this year and do that. Every, like, you know, a time period, I don't know, March to May, whatever you want, right after spring training and just, you know, figure out the games for the next year. And I think if everyone did that, and especially because except the SEC, who plays that one uh, BS game at the end of the, the year. The cupcake game. Yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. everyone plays their non-conference game the first three weeks. So it's not even like the scheduling is hard. It's not even like, oh, what week can we fit it in? Pick one of the first three weeks and next year schedule it. Find another school. Like it's not that hard. So um, I don't know. Like a part of me is kind of excited because you see it, but you don't get too excited because it's probably going to get canceled. So I, I just wish that they would have like, I wish that like that was one of the things that they kept from the pandemic, the idea that you don't need 12 years to schedule a football game. Well, and what's interesting is, is that like, that's how basketball does it. Like, and obviously it's apples and oranges comparing, you know, basketball schedules to football schedules and having to deal with the logistics of that. But like, we don't know Ohio state basketball schedule until like, six months before. And we still don't know Ohio state's complete non-conference schedule. And the, the season starts in like, six months less than six months so you're right it can be done they do it in other sports obviously football is a little bit different in terms of logistics like the teams are bigger so maybe you have to worry about hotels and travel and all that stuff but a dozen years in advance certainly they are not booking hotels that far out the only other thing that i can think jordan is maybe like they think it helps with recruiting you know, like maybe they say, oh, look, if you come to Ohio State, you're a sophomore, you know that over the next three, four years of your career, which would then be like, you know, five to seven years or whatever, you're going to get to play against these teams. So maybe that helps. And maybe that's a bigger deal in football recruiting than other recruiting because of the number of players you have to have on a team. But like, it just seems silly. Like, I remember we were supposed to play Georgia. Like was it like 2020 and 2021? I think Mm. obviously those games aren't happening. Um, And that had to do with the fact that Ohio state or the big 10, I'm sorry, went from an eight game conference schedule to a nine game conference schedule. So they had to bump that to make sure that they had enough buy games so that they could, you know, make money. And I get all that, but it just seems like I get maybe, maybe two, three years, four years at maybe, but like the fact that we're scheduling, it's 2021. We're not even halfway through 2021 and we know what Ohio state is supposedly going to be doing on September 10th of 2033. Uh, and it's really silly. It's, it's just silly. One of the many, many things that's just goofy about college football. And I get like, I kind of understand why I get you. They want to get Oregon back on the schedule because they canceled this past game, the, this past season's game um, for pandemic reasons. So like, okay, I get that. Like get them on the schedule. Uh, but Gene Smith told 11 warriors, like this is the, they, they really could not get anything between 
next year because they weren't going to play a home and home this season. Um, and 2026, they couldn't even find a date that they both had open, but they couldn't find them back to back. So they wanted to do them back to back. And so it got pushed to 2022 2023 so it's just silly i'm looking forward to, to ohio state playing in Austin. like that's such a great environment so i'm going to enjoy watching that but hell at this point who knows if i'm still going to be alive in 2033 i mean that's a good point and the other thing like you know as you you already talked about on the buck off pa- podcast on friday you know gene smith just got um a four-year extension but yeah. it's four years, you know, and 13, like he's scheduling games for games where like, I don't imagine, you know, that he's going to be the the yeah. athletic director for another 13 years. Like you don't know what players, coaches, what the staff, what college football. I mean, 13 years ago, I bet you couldn't have told anyone that <laughs> NIL was going to get passed. Yeah. You couldn't have told yeah, anyone more- that we were going to have, you know, a college football playoff, that transfers were going to be open. It's just like, that's so far and in the future. And you have yeah, no if idea. If you would have said Ryan Day is going to be the head coach of Ohio State, they'd be like, who the hell is Ryan Day? If you would have said Jim Tressel was going to get fired, yeah, they would oh, if I you mean, told, technically he resigned. Technically okay. he resigned, right. but he got fired. Yeah, yeah. If you would have told oh. Ohio State fans 13 years ago that Jim Tressel, 13 years ago was, what, 2008? Yeah, if you would have told them that Jim Tressel is going to be fired or resign and be a college president at Youngstown, yeah. Nobody would That's believe you. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no one would believe you. Like it, it would make no sense. Everyone would say you're crazy. Like yeah. So I don't know. Thirteen years. It, it, it's way too long. Um, and and like you said, like I wish they could move it because honestly, the best thing would have been would have been to just play Oregon in 2022. Like if they would have had the flexibility and if we weren't scheduling 13 years out, you lost a series. Okay. So we'll play at home in 2021 and then we'll go there in 2022. We keep the integrity of the season. We don't have to wait 13 years to see two, two games in a row. Yeah. The problem with the reason why they can't is because Ohio State has a full non-conference slate for 2022 and 2023 and 2022. It's, uh, they open, it looks like, with Notre Dame on September 3rd. So that's probably Labor Day weekend, I assume. Then they have Arkansas State and Toledo. Then in 2023, it's San Jose State, Western Kentucky, and then Notre Dame uh, as well. But as I was thinking about schedules, Jordan, that got me thinking, like, what is the perfect construction of a non-conference season? We know that the Big Ten really likes this nine-game conference schedule. I think that eventually it's going to be mandated that all conferences go to a nine-game schedule. So the SEC is going to have to figure out how to get their cupcakes in otherwise. But if Ohio State has three non-conference games every year, I was thinking, what is the perfect combination of teams considering all the different factors that have to go into it, to put in ahead of the Big Ten season. Now, we know sometimes, like this year, a Big Ten game can open the season like it is with Minnesota, or a couple years ago it was with Indiana. But if we're just saying the three non-conference games, I'm curious what you think the best schedule can be when you're figuring in marquee games, you want to have enough home games, you want to have enough buy games for financial purposes, mixing up all that together we're both going to just explain what our what we think our perfect schedule is. So I want to start with you, Jordan. What did you come up with in terms of the best non-conference schedule for Ohio State? So I cheated because I have two, but they're <laughs> okay. slightly okay. different. 
Um, okay. So my first one, and actually this is similar in both of them, um, just because it doesn't really matter who the team is. I chose the bye game as Kent State. Um, Ohio State, well, really the Big Ten almost always does buy games with the MAC. I love that tradition. It makes the most sense. They also always hire MAC coaches. I chose Kent State because that's where I graduated from, but that game doesn't necessarily matter. Um, a buy game every year from the MAC. Um, and then in my first schedule, I chose Texas or USC. And the, my, the thought process was getting a big brand, but also cheating because I'm an OSU fan, a team that you're most likely going to be. And I also did this in, a, in the instance of like next year, the year after, not planning for 30 years from now. So I said Texas or USC because I think they're both the same. They're both really big schools, brand name. I mean, tickets, with the, whether they're good or not, I imagine tickets are selling out immediately. Everyone's going to want to see the game. But in the instance of, you know, wanting to win a championship, at least currently, those are still games that you're most likely going to win. Uh, and then I had Cincinnati, which is, I think it would be great yeah. if Ohio State played Cincinnati like every other year, a couple of times every five years. So yeah, I would love to see Ohio State play Cincinnati more often, especially with Luke Fickle there, because um, I mean, they're really, really good. The Ohio State connection. Uh, and as we saw with Georgia, that's a game that you should win, but they can test you. It's not necessarily a cupcake cupcake game. And with potentially expanding the playoffs, you don't want a whole lot of cupcake games. Um, my second schedule is a little bit different and that the big name school is actually a school that can genuinely beat you. I chose Georgia. Um, I think an Ohio State versus Georgia game would be really cool. And maybe that's going to be more of a standard. I mean, we have Georgia playing Clemson, so maybe we can get those really powerhouse games. Um, and then the third game and my second schedule is Boston College. Um, similar to the Cincinnati game, it's a, a school that can on their best day beat you. It has an Ohio State connection. Um, and I, I think for Ohio State, it would be cool, you know, kind of kind of play some of, um, you know, some of the coaches that came from the tree, something with Ohio State connections. And I do think that Halfley is going to give BC, you know, put BC in a position where they can beat someone like an Ohio State or Clemson, maybe not often. I'm not expecting them to be a powerhouse. So for me, uh, my schedule is a buy-in game, um, a brand name, um, whether that school can beat you or not. And then a, another school that has some sort of tie-in to Ohio State that's really going to get the fans excited um, and really going to create some sort of faux rivalry, um, some things that social media is going to get into. Yeah, I like that. You, you had a lot of the same ideas um, that I did in my schedule. I was not as worried about a Mac school. Um, I was more thinking about having an Ohio team on the schedule. And in, in a lot of those cases, that's the Mac. Most of those cases, it's the Mac. But that was something that Jim Tressel started. Um, he always wanted to have a team on the schedule who was from Ohio. That was important to him, not only because it, he his thing was always recruiting in-state, but um, it was promoting football in the state of Ohio. So it was a good for not only his current players, but for the, the sport in the state and and also that again translates into his recruiting into the future. What I did on mine was Cincinnati. I, I said Cincinnati because that's a team that brings you um, a quality win, even though it's probably not a game that you're you're going to lose. And I kind of built mine around the idea of trying to make sure that you 
are ready for the college football playoffs, both in terms of the selection and from being tested. Because to be honest with you, the Big Ten has not been much of a test for Ohio State in the past few years, and who knows how long that continues. I don't see Ohio State coming back to the pack, not substantially anytime soon, but I could see some other teams moving forward. But I wanted to make sure that Ohio State had the resume and the the wherewithal to make sure that they could get into the playoffs, not only if it stays at four teams as it currently is, but if it eventually moves to eight, 12, 16 teams, whatever, that if they dropped a game in the Big Ten, they had enough on the back end of their resume to give them the ability to qualify as a one-loss at-large team. So I thought Cincinnati would be a good way to hit the Ohio mark on the schedule, but also be a nice little foundation on the resume. Then I went with another Power 5 lower-level team. Whether that is somebody like Boston College, which was my idea as well with the Jeff Halfley connection, or going somewhere even maybe a little bit more impressive of a team like North Carolina. They're a team on the rise. It doesn't have to necessarily be North Carolina, but a team that like people respect um, in Iowa State, although I would hate for Matt Campbell to come into Ohio Stadium and beat Ohio State when so many people wanted him as the head coach. But... Um, you know, a school like that in uh, Boston College and North Carolina and Iowa State, even in Oklahoma State, um, uh, uh, Utah, one of those teams that are like respectable and decent and good and are probably going to, you know, win a number of games in their conference and contend for the conference title. But a team that you're not super worried about. But again, it's a power five win on the schedule. And then I go with a marquee game. Like you said, I uh, for me, on the other hand, though. I go with the biggest and the best um, that I think you could possibly get. So that's an Alabama, that's a Georgia, that's a Clemson. Because I think you, you know, if you win, that is such a huge boost to your resume. But if you lose and you keep it competitive, which I think Ohio State mostly does, the, the national championship game earlier this year notwithstanding, that also helps. You know, you you lose to an Alabama or a Georgia or a Clemson in September, and then you run the table. And people are like, oh, well, that was a close game. A lot's changed since then. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. So my schedule would be Cincinnati, Boston College, and hell, let's throw in Bama. Um, you know, I think that that's an interesting way to kind of give you a lot of substantive things on the schedule, you know, because I enjoy games that Ohio State wins 70 to 7. Like, those are fun, but they're not the most dramatic and they're not the most compelling. Um, I like it because I don't have to stress about things that I can just, you know, make little jokes and put up a lot of uh, touchdown gifts on uh, the Land Grant Hoyland Twitter account. But, like, I want there to be some interest, some, some compelling content in those games as well. So I would go Cincinnati, BC, or, you know, Iowa State or North Carolina or whatever in Alabama or Georgia or Clemson or somebody like Oklahoma even um, or something like that. So I think we had a lot of the the same building blocks, Jordan, but not exactly the same execution on there. Yeah, definitely. You know what would be a fun game to see? Uh, Ohio State versus uh, Kentucky. Um, and that kind of oh, yeah. like Utah, Oklahoma State, that would be really good, especially because of all the connections. I mean, if, anyway, if you follow recruiting – Kentucky has mm-hmm. essentially replaced Michigan State as that team who, you know, is, yeah. right, is kind of right there and they're building their roster off of the the, the players that Ohio State doesn't want. Um, and so, you know, that's and why in some cases taking guys Ohio State does want. Yeah. And that's why the Michigan State games were always good, because you always had that, especially from the players who were from Ohio. A lot of players want to go to Ohio State. And if you have 
a Big Ten offer, you think, okay, I can go to Ohio State too. And if you don't get that offer or if they don't seriously, you know, recruit you, a lot of those players have a chip on their shoulder. And that's what happened every year with Michigan State. There's all these players who Mm -hmm. wanted to go to Ohio State um, who grew up in Ohio and they come and play the best game of their career against Ohio State. And so I think Kentucky would be very similar. Um, And so that would be a great, that'd be a great series to see. And it fits right along with your principles of your schedule. Yeah, no, that's a great one. Like, what's interesting about Kentucky is, is like they've been slowly and kind of quietly getting better under Mark Stoops, Mike Stoops, Matt Stoops, Martha Stoops. I I think it's Mark. Mike, Mark. Yeah, yeah. I can't keep all the Stoops straight. (laughs) Um, And the the Stoops are from Youngstown, Ohio, uh, as well. So you have that, but they're like they're building their team like an old-fashioned Big Ten team. They are a running team. They they recruit super well on the offensive line. There was an, an offensive line recruit that Ohio State kind of thought that they had. Um, he'd been in Ohio State lean for much of the past year, and then all of a sudden he committed to to Kentucky. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but like they're uh, Kentucky's, you know, not going to necessarily go out and beat Georgia and Alabama every year. Uh, in the SEC, but they're going to beat some decent SEC teams. So I like that one a lot. I think that's a that's a really good idea. I'd also like to see Ohio State play some of these teams that do things in the non-conference schedule that are different than what the Big Ten teams do. I, I said this on a podcast or in an article. I can't remember at this point, but like Ohio State, and, and I think they're kind of doing this by the, the move to the four two five on defense. They need to get as much experience playing the kinds of things that they will need to play in the playoff um, rather than just trying to to model their defense against the bulk of their schedule in conference and then having to, to adjust in the postseason. I want Ohio State playing uh, teams that run similar offenses to the Clemsons, the Alabamas, to the Georgias, to the Oklahomas, to the, the Oregons, the Washingtons, whoever else might be in, in playoff consideration. Like I want to see them doing – the stuff on defense in the non-conference and in the Big Ten as well, but against teams that you know could get some things on film for them to be able to to carry that forward when they actually do get into the postseason. Yeah, and you really should test yourself, especially now because, as you mentioned, you know Ohio State. Everyone expects Ohio State to win the Big Ten, and now one loss doesn't hurt you. We've seen that. Um, as long as you win, well, if we. Maybe not if you're the Pac-12, but as long as you're one of the other yeah. four conferences, <laughs> you can have one loss. And if you win your conference, you're most likely in. And we're definitely getting expansion. And as you already mentioned, like you want to test yourself. And if you you can you can lose now. Like I know there's been this thing. Everyone wants Ohio State to go 12 and 0. Everyone expects Alabama to go 12 and 0. But you can have one loss. It just can't be to Iowa. It just can't be to right. Purdue. Purdue. If you lose to yeah. Georgia. If you lose to Clemson. If you lose to, I mean, maybe even University of Kentucky. Like if you have a good loss. I mean, we lost to Virginia Tech. If you have a good loss. You test yourself. You know what to work on. You're not, you know, spending the entire time playing your backups and things like that. And it builds something. So I agree 100 percent. I would like to see that. I would also, you know, going in a different direction, I would also like to see just some something unique. You know, I almost put Coastal Carolina on my schedule because, again, I was yeah. thinking for like next year. And that would be such a fun game to watch. Like Ohio State bringing their brand, helping uplift Coastal Carolina's brand, a, a really fun offense. I would, I would, I would love to see that game as well. So, I just, yeah. I just or, want, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was to say, or someone like 
BYU, who's fun as well, or like Georgia Southern, or I love mm. when Ohio State plays Navy. Like, uh, you know, the, I, I love seeing the option uh, game. It That doesn't necessarily help Ohio State for the playoff, but no. it's something <laughs> interesting and something that's different that we won't see the rest of the year. So, I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, I think they should just have a little bit of fun with it. Um, but yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited that more teams are, are even though they're scheduling for 13 years out and we don't know if we're going to have the game. I'm excited that the playoffs has allowed people to accept a loss. I mean, we would have yeah. never gotten this Georgia Clemson game. And I've mentioned it a couple of times because I'm, you know, I'm very excited about it. But I mean, if you look at the week one schedule or even the non-conference schedule, there's a lot of really big games that are happening. A lot of like tough matches yeah. all across the country. And we wouldn't have gotten that with the BCS. Uh, and a lot of people, you know, they don't like the playoffs and it's not a perfect system at all. And it does, in my opinion, need to be expanded. And I'm sure that's been talked about all over the different podcasts and articles and things. Um, but it, it essentially, it allows you to play a tough game. It allows you to stop doing all the cupcake games and all the blowouts for the first four weeks of the season. And you can accept the loss and that. But I, I would imagine that brings more money. It makes the fans happier. It's a lot more entertaining. TV is going to pay more for it. Uh, it's just, you know, all around beneficial for everybody. Yeah. And and Gene wrote a column on LandGrantHolyLand.com on Friday that basically talks about um, sports needing to be fun. Now, he framed it in the whole um, La Russa Mercedes deal in uh, Major League Baseball. But the whole point of it is like, look, sports should be fun. Stop with these, you know, these old ideas of what you have to do to be successful, whether that's, you know, you can't, you know, flip your bat or you can't celebrate a home run in baseball or like you were saying in the old way of scheduling football is like you have to be safe. You have to be undefeated. Um, you you can't lose a game in in the regular season if you want to make the playoff. Like, forget that sports should be fun. And if they're not thinking about the fan experience when doing these schedules moving forward, then they're doing it wrong. I understand that maybe the fan experience isn't the number one thing. You want to make sure that you're scheduling to help your team not only win games, but also make enough money to, you know, pay for all the other sports that you are are supplementing with the football revenue. But like there needs to be an element of making sure that this is entertaining and this is fun for the fans. And, and I don't know that that's necessarily a big part of the scheduling equation right now, but it should be. Yeah. There's, there's no way it is, especially in the sec. I mean, there's no way the fans are excited to play uh, a bottom level F FCS school in no. November, you know? Um, and that's I really, joke. really hope, I really hope they get away with that, uh, get away from that. I really hope that they go to nine games as well. I mean, just think about it this year. That's another thing with the pandemic, the way the sec played each other, why can't we have that every year? Yeah. Like that was perfect. Should. Don't go back, change your schedules, fix it. You played, I don't remember, they played They played a nine or a 10 game SEC schedule. Whatever it was, that. We want that. We want to see Alabama playing Georgia and Florida. We want to see Ohio State playing, every, I mean, technically we do, but we want to see Ohio State playing the big teams in the Big Ten. And then we want them to cross over and we want to see Georgia play Oregon and we want to see Ohio State play USC and we want to see Texas play Alabama like we want those games and as you mentioned like I feel like the fan experience 
is going to continue to make them money because more people are going to come and more people are going to tune in and it's going to help the revenue. I don't think those are mutually exclusive. And I think sometimes they think that, or maybe they just don't realize if you make the fans happy, you are going to make that money. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, you know, I live in sec country. I've lived in sec country since 2006, I think. And, um, I still hate the SEC. Like, I still – I don't root for anybody in the SEC. I don't like the SEC, but I like watching their games. You know, yeah. I like watching a good SEC team uh, play another good SEC team, whether that's, um, you know, one of the, the the upstarts from the East taking on a power com- a power team from the West or, like, the best from each conference or, you know, the inter- interdivision things. Like, I enjoy watching those games. So the more of those we can get – the better. So that was good. I, I, I think we are both on similar pages, maybe not the exact same page, but, um, but definitely similar pages. So hopefully, um, Gene Smith will tag you in a tweet and let you know, um, we've, we've lined up how you need to schedule moving forward for the rest of your tenure as Ohio state's AD. I mean, I just, but, think, I just think we should start ahead. this consulting business. I mean, last week we I'm were consulting you. for the PAC 12. Now we can consult for the schedule makers. Like I think we're on the right track. Yeah, I have been doing an, a, a daily theater podcast f- for f- more than five years. And I've been saying all I want to do is someone to hire me as a consultant. They haven't done it yet, but they really, really should because just nuggets of wisdom here. <laughs> um, uh, all right, Jordan, let's uh, let's wrap up today's show with our recommendations. Um, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? You can go first. All right, so I am sticking with something with an Ohio connection. You probably have seen this on social media at this point, but on Saturday, Columbus, Ohio native Simone Biles um, was competing in the U.S. Gymnastics Classic, and she did something that no other woman has ever done in gymnastics history, and that is land a Yurchenko double pike vault in competition. This is something that has only ever been landed in competition by male gymnasts in the past. I don't know anything about gymnastics. Uh, I've said this before um, on this show with Tia that like gymnastics, both men and women, is just like completely fascinates me by the strength and the power that these people have. Like the, the stuff that they do is absurd. Um, and this is amazing. This is a historic thing. Again, she's a Columbus native. So we obviously love that a little bit more. Um, but Simone Biles landing the Yurchenko double pike vault, um, is pretty awesome to watch. And I've got a video of it that has like not only the vault and then some replays and then some slow-mo. And it's really ridiculous when you watch her fly through the air in slow-mo doing this. And what I loved the most about this, Jordan, is, you know, they've always got the 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 gymnastics leotards and they're kind of, you know, they're always decorated fancy. And hers is kind of like bedazzled in the back, but it has a picture of the goat on her back, of a goat on her back, which considering that she is the greatest gymnast of all time, like I felt like, that was perfect. And I love when athletes who are that good own the fact that they are that good. Um, I know it gets people like LeBron hate, but like LeBron's the best basketball player in the history of the world. So it's fine to like acknowledge that as long as you're not obnoxious with it. So I didn't think this was obnoxious of Simone, but she is the best. And this is amazing. Even though I know nothing about what a Yurchenko double pike actually is. 
I agree. I saw the video. I didn't see the one that you have with the slow-mo. I definitely need to see that. And honestly, um, everyone knows that she's the greatest gymnast, but you know, I think it's fair to at least put her in the conversation of the greatest athlete of all time. And I think, yep. you know, before we go down the rabbit hole, I think sometimes a lot of um, female athletes in general and in certain sports don't get considered because people don't pay attention to them. You know, the same thing with Serena Williams in tennis, yeah. but what she's done and the length of time she's been dominant and, and the thing like she has moves named after her that nobody's ever done. I think she's in consideration for the greatest athlete of all time, regardless of sport. Absolutely. Um, and that, I think and that's regardless a of gender as yes, well. Yes, regardless of sport and gender. Um, so that's great. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her continue to do things that no one else has ever done. Um, yeah. My recommendation is actually a event. It's a thing to do. So if you're looking to go out, date night, hang out with friends, anything like that, I recommend an escape room. Um, I just did one on Friday. Uh, it was my fiance's birthday. I sent a group of friends, went to an escape room. We successfully escaped. So nice. if anyone listens to this and goes to an escape room, please tag me. Let me know how it, how it is. <laughs> I mean, they're all over the country, but it's very, very fun. Um, you know, I would go with a group of people because there's a lot of clues. There was five of us. So yeah, my recommendation, if you're looking for a fun day, if you have a birthday coming up, anything with some friends, um, and it, I mean, it's socially distanced. You're in the room with just your friends. So if you feel comfortable, you can wear your mask, take your mask off when you're in there, anything like that. But it's just a fun thing to get out of the house uh, to think a little bit, uh, find some clues. And if you're anything like me and you analyze everything as I'm doing, it, I'm like, man, how did they come up with this? Like probably shouldn't have been thinking too <laughs> yeah. much on that because you only have 60 minutes. But uh, yeah, we we escaped with one second left. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's cutting it close, cutting <laughs> it close. Very. Um, so, yeah, that's my recommendation. Anywhere in the country, go to an escape room if you've never been. They're very fun. Yeah. And th there's also I've done um, a couple things over the past year and a half or whatever of the pandemic that are like virtual escape rooms that are really cool. There's a company called Swamp Motel. Um, which I've done one of their virtual things, which it's not exactly a, a an escape room, but it's something very similar where you like can do it via Zoom with other people. You can do it if you're in the same room with people and like you've got clues and you've got to search things on the Internet. Um, I did their one called Plymouth Point, which is really fun. Um, so, uh, so yeah, all about escape rooms. So that's awesome. And congratulations on not dying, um, by one second. That, that, that's something to be proud of. It would have really sucked if you took your fiance to an escape room on a, on her birthday and you guys lost. Yeah, that, that, that would, that have been very bad. So, you know, shout out. I'm glad, I'm glad we made it through. Uh, ours was the Da Vinci heist. So we were stealing the Mona Lisa. Um, I don't nice. want to brag too much cause I don't want to go to prison, but we may or may not be the best, you know, heist team in the world. Um, we did, <laughs> we did steal the Mona Lisa. So, yeah. But I feel like if you were the best, you would have done it with like more than one second left. Maybe, maybe we were challenging, you know? Yeah. Maybe you just didn't want to draw too much suspicion. Maybe yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody, that's all that we have for you today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land Stick to Sports Podcast. If you're finding this episode on our website, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your daily dose of podcasting goodness. And if you like this particular brand of weirdness that we are supplying, please leave us a rating and review. Also, follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Jordan, where can people find you on social media? 
Uh, you can find me on social media at black underscore royalty eight. Also, uh, please listen to my other podcast, Get Defensive Pod. It is now basketball season. We had some great playing games. The, the uh, playoffs have started, so we will be doing brackets. We'll be doing episodes where we predict. Um, and my co-host swears that uh, she knows more than me. So we are going to Uh-oh. have a fun challenge to see who can get closest to predicting the champion. She predicted it last year and hasn't let me live it down. Uh, so that is going to be very fun. Please check us out. Yeah, I love the play-in tournament. Like uh, that was a ton of fun. Like I enjoyed the hell out of that. I hope it stays. Uh, maybe we can talk about that and playoff expansion next week. Cause like, I think that's a lot of really fun, interesting things to talk about. So, all right. Thanks to all four and a half of you that are still listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always go bucks.